else. Thank you to our praise band. Why'd you stop? They just kept coming in. I don't know if you noticed, if you're here for the first song, folks just kept coming in. But they never seem to keep walking in while I'm preaching. But I thank you for to our praise band. In fact, would you give a round of applause of how the Lord has used them? Not only today, but uh, every time we come together. We appreciate you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and be together. Good to see you today. And uh, always look forward to these opportunities. Always, but particular now, we've got couple of weeks before Christmas and three or four services to go, be able to be together tonight. You heard the choir. We've got the choir singing. We've got the children singing. There's youth participating. There's special guests tonight. You want to come early? We want to pack the place out uh, tonight. You want to be a part of the uh, Christmas presentation. Looking forward to that as well. And then every time we come together, of course, we're looking forward to being together, what the Lord would have to tell, to say to us. It is the theme we started a couple of weeks ago in, in part of our Advent season is uh, I have a message for you this Christmas, Jesus. We believe the Lord has a message every time we come together, so hope that you'll come with that anticipation. It's what the word Advent means, and we want to come anticipating today. The Lord has a word for each one of us. It's going to happen next Sunday, Christmas Eve. We'll pack the place out Christmas Day, one service. Everybody come and come and be a part of us and going to do a little bit something different, kind of relaxed time on Christmas Day, but also a little bit different in the, how we'll bring about the message and singing that day, so you want to come and uh, be a part of that as well, so it's good. We're glad that you're here. What you find in your Bibles, we're going to be in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55, and then we're going to look at one of the part of the story of the Christmas story, and we'll be looking at Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, and his approach as well. You know that story, but we're going to look at this as our text in Isaiah 55 and use that as uh, helping us to be able to understand a little bit about what that is saying. And uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 55, it is uh, time, prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to God's people, the Israelites. And you know this chapter. You may not know that you know this chapter, but uh, you'll recognize some of the parts of it. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Later in that passage in verse 11, it says, So that my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return void, or it shall not be empty, return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So here's Isaiah is writing to God's people, the Israelites. They've been in exile in Babylon. It's been a while since they've been there. They're going to be making their return soon, but as of, it's been a hard time. And they have an uncertain future. But Isaiah writes to let them know there is a hope and a certain future found in the Lord. And so uh, Isaiah chapter 55, 8 through 9 will serve kind of as our text for today. Verse 8 says, So my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let that be our text. For today, we'll be in Matthew 1 if you want to go ahead and go there as well. But uh, So what is it? How will you greet next couple of weeks? Merry Christmas? Happy Holidays? Season's greetings. Now, there's some that say we need to be politically correct. And then there's the other end that say, be sure that you get Christ in because we recognize and it is not our job to be politically correct, but we want to be biblically correct in all the things that we do. We want to be sure that Jesus is at the center of our celebration, and it's also that he is at the center of our decision-making, everything that we do. We want to make sure that our decisions, big or small, or that most important decision always is about the Lord Jesus. But understand, well, obviously, when you say Merry Christmas, you can't say Christmas without Christ. 
even happy holidays, you can't say the word holiday without the word holy, and only, we, only God is holy. We recognize that even season's greetings, we remember what the scripture says, that he changes the times and the seasons. So you can just try to be politically correct. There's really not a way in which you can do that. But uh, I still kind of prefer Merry Christmas, you understand. This morning we decide for Christ in Christmas, not just in our greeting, but in every day and in every way and in the one way that's most important. Since God's way is nothing like our ways, we just read that in Isaiah chapter 55, and we're as far removed from God's ways as the heavens are above the earth. God knew there was only one way to bridge the gap in order for us to be able to know God's thoughts, God's way, and God's love, and that was by sending the Son, Jesus, to be the Savior of the world. A couple of weeks ago, as we began this series, we talked about the birth announcement that came to the priest, Zechariah, uh, about his son, who we know is John the Baptist. We talked about how to be prepared for Jesus this Christmas with the story of John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist kind of being a precursor or preparation for the birth of Christ. Well, today we're going to consider another part of the Christmas story, a person that at least plays a role in the Christmas story, and that is the one that we know as the stepfather of Jesus. We know him as Joseph. And from the story of Joseph, we're going to learn how we might be able to decide for Jesus this Christmas or determine if, in fact, there is evidence that we have already decided for Jesus. Can others really see the difference that Jesus makes? Now, if we were to take a poll of the most important and prominent people in the Christmas story, Joseph would not get top billing. Hopefully, Jesus would get top billing. He might not even get uh, second. He might get third in the pastor's poll. Nevertheless, a pretty important part of the story in Matthew chapter 1, an important message from heaven. In each of these uh, messages, Christmas messages, we're going to have a heavenly visitor, a real live visitor that came down from heaven that we're told about in the story, in the Christmas story. And then we're going to seek to how we might be able to translate the message that was given in that day so that we might be able to have a message from the Lord for each one of us as today. The first was the angel Gabriel who came to the priest Zechariah to announce the birth of Jesus' second cousin John. Well, today Gabriel is back again to give us a heavenly word. And we're going to learn from this message that he gives to Joseph. And listen in once again to the very words spoken by God's messenger to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 20 and 21. Matthew chapter 1 Midway through verse 20, it says, The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is considered in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was an important heavenly word to Joseph. I think it would reflect our passage that we read in Isaiah 55, because we find that Joseph was really wanting to do the right thing, Yet it took a word from heaven in order for Joseph to understand something that was even better than he had in mind. Uh, now, Joseph was about to make a pretty big decision probably by anybody's standards to who to marry and not to marry. Those kind of things becomes pretty big, but he probably had no idea how big a decision his was in particularly until this angelic visit. He would have not have a clue how big it really was. This important for many reasons, the message from Gabriel. It was important to Joseph, of course. 
It's important to the Israelites, to all of God's people. It's also important, heavenly word, to each one of us and to the whole world. Did Joseph have any kind of idea how big of a decision it was when considering that his fiancée was carrying the Savior of the world? The message that came to the angel in the dream would affect all of history, even those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. In the decision Joseph was making, while all of these things could have come to pass, you understand, without Joseph, but he was making this decision to be part of the Christmas story. And it was a pretty big deal. For the birth of Jesus marks the years on the calendar. It changes the work week. I mean, without Christ being born, there would be no Black Friday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, certainly no Christmas. Imagine a world without Christmas. And there are people in places today that do not celebrate, that have no idea about Christ being born in Bethlehem or about the cross and the resurrection. Most of us could probably only imagine, or maybe we can't imagine what it would be to have a world or a life where there would be no Christmas. But the theologian and the writer C.S. Lewis imagined it. He imagined it in his Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, the fictional land called Narnia without the Jesus figure, Aslan in the picture. Narnia is described as a place to where it's always winter and never Christmas. Now, that's a description of a world without Jesus. Always winter, never Christmas. The world would be a drab and hopeless place without Jesus. But we recognize that every religion, every denomination, every cult, and every sect is measured by how they view Jesus, and some do not measure up. Now, we've already recognized maybe sometimes in the past, or maybe you know, there's, we don't have one quotation from Joseph. Nothing that we have where he said something that was written down in the Bible, uh, but we're going to allow Joseph to speak to us today. In fact, if Joseph were with us today, knowing the things that he knows and what we've observed about Joseph in the Scriptures, what would Joseph perhaps want to talk to us about? He might want to talk to us maybe about decision-making, about decisions that we make big or small and how we might be able to make those decisions, and particularly about the biggest decision of all. Now, if you're facing decisions in your life today, and probably most of us are making some kind of decisions, big or small, maybe some bigger than others, or maybe there's some that may be coming up. So it may be that you want to pay close attention to what Joseph and what the Scripture would have to tell us, and particularly what Jesus would have to tell us today. And particularly, you want to pay attention because there's a, the, there's a big, important decision that everyone must make. So before making your decision, or before making your decisions big or small, Consider God and others first. If you're following along in your notes, you might want to consider God and others first. Verse 20 says about Joseph, but he, Joseph, considered these things, or as he considered these things, an angel appeared to him in a dream. In the King James, it says, as he thought about these things. Well, for Joseph, he didn't jump the gun. Sometimes, if not most of the time, our first notion or our first instincts are not correct. We find it so easy to let our emotions get the best of us. Oftentimes, anger is our excuse of why we're going to do such things or maybe to direct uh, perhaps our thoughts or our actions. But for Joseph, some have said there's not much to think about. He found out his fiance had been found with child and he knew that his, it was not his. Joseph and Mary were engaged. They were betrothed. And in that day, you'd be betrothed for one year before marriage. And it would be as legally as binding as marriage, though you did not live together. Deuteronomy chapter 22 tells us Mary could have been stoned for being unfaithful. 
What we find in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19 says that Joseph was a just man, a righteous meaning he wanted to do the right thing by God and by Mary. So he considered putting her away privately, privately giving her a certificate of divorce, which was allowed by law and perhaps in his eyes the only option he had. He wanted to do the right thing by Mary and by, and by God. Maybe he maybe heard Mary's incredible story. We're not told the communication that Mary and Joseph might have had in those days, but you could probably just imagine perhaps what he was thinking about took place when he found out that, that, was, that his uh, fiance was with child and it was not his. And even if he heard that incredible story, maybe he knew of her to be the most beautiful person both inside and out. We think of Mary as very virtuous. He probably and surely did too. How could this be? Yet the facts were hard to deny. This is, this is why Joseph reminds us the story why we should consider matters. Consider the devastating issues that were facing Joseph in his mind before God intervened. No decision would be good. In fact, he was probably trying to choose between the lesser of the evils. Betrothed, fiance, was with child, not his. He felt he was not to marry her according to the strict Jewish law. He had resolved to divorce her. Heartbreaking decisions were taking place. When we consider God in others first, it allows God to give us a different perspective on what is taking place or what it is that the Lord would have us to do. And it gives God a chance to intervene and to speak. Consider what Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search out Search all hearts and examine secret motives. Joseph considered two things. To his credit, what was the right thing before God and what was the right thing for Mary, whom he loved. He didn't see how he could do both. And it was during this time of considering such things that the angel of the Lord spoke to him in a dream. It reminds us that we must allow God to give us direction in our life instead of us making decisions on only on how we feel or on what we see. The times when the Lord speaks to me the most, when I have not a clue about what's going to happen, what it is that I should do, not an understanding about what's going to be happening in the future, but when I simply come to God and say, Lord, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to follow you regardless of the answer, regardless of what you want me to do, I'll follow you. At least to what Joseph would tell the next maybe to us about making decisions. They're not just good decisions, but the best decisions. Not just good decisions, but godly decisions. Joseph would perhaps tell us, have confidence in God's word. Have confidence in God's word. Gabriel appeared to Joseph in a dream. I had somebody not long ago come and ask me. They were telling me about a dream that they had. And they, is, they wanted me to maybe help them to discern, is God speaking to me through this dream that I had? And I said, you know, God may very well be speaking to you through that dream. Or it could be the pepperoni pizza that you had last night. Or it could be that you're going through a lot of stress, anxiety, and worry. I don't know that I put too much stock in just understanding I've had a dream so that it must be from God. Can God still speak to us in dreams? Yes, I believe that he still speaks to people in dreams. Sometimes, particularly to people of the Muslim faith, sometimes the Lord has spoken in dreams. I've heard many testimony of those where the Lord has spoken and then someone came and told them about Jesus. The Lord certainly can do that, but I don't know that I would put confidence in dreams alone. It must be something else. We find Joseph having a very important dream. Once 
He was certain there was a message from God. The angel appeared to him in a dream, said, Go ahead, don't be afraid. Take Mary, your wife, babies of the Holy Spirit. It will be a son who will be the Savior of the world. This is what was spoken by the prophet, the Scripture tells us. There could be a lot of reasons that Joseph didn't have a doubt that this, even though Gabriel spoke it to a dream and not face-to-face, that this was a message from heaven. It could have been because of his name's sake. You remember Joseph of the Old Testament? Uh, Joseph of the Old Testament also, man, he was a man who had a lot of dreams from God or people came and interpreted dreams for others. He could have thought to himself, well, I know that this dream is from God because of Joseph in the Old Testament. He could have just thought this is an incredible experience. He said, I've never experienced a dream like this, so it must be from God, it must be true. He could have thought, boy, it sure seemed real. Have you ever woken up and had a dream and you thought to yourself, man, this sure seems real. And then suddenly you realize, oh, I'm still in Auburn, Alabama. I'm not where I thought I was. Could have been all of those things, but it was not any of those reasons. It was a better reason. Those are inadequate reasons to know that I have a message from God. How did Joseph know his dream was a message from God? It was biblical. It was biblical. It's the only adequate reason you have for knowing you have a message from the Lord God is that it is biblical. In Matthew 1 and verse 23, it's a quote from Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Everything that the angel said was a fulfillment of prophecy. Even the address, Joseph, son of David, the one, the Savior to be born was to be of the line of David. This was the fulfillment of Scripture, and Joseph knew it. How did he know it? Because the evidence is that he was a student of Scripture. If we're going to live under the uncertainty of God's direction in the home and in the church and on the job and in school, we must be people of the Word, students of the Scripture who are certain that what we have is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. If you, if you want to make the best decision, the most Christ-pleasing decisions, you'll come and find the answers in the Bible. When you're in trouble, when you're in need, when you're desperate and when you're lonely, when you need to make a decision, you need to go to the Scripture. Let me say it again. When you're desperate and when you're lonely, when you're in need, when you're hurting, you need to go to the Scripture. But, but listen to this. You who are in the habit of reading God's Word daily will be more consistent and confident in finding the answers that you're looking for. Lord's ready we need to continue to come to God's Word. We don't need to shy away because we haven't been in God's Word. If that's what we need, we need to come today. But when we find ourselves consistently going through God's Word, consistently meeting Him for prayer and devotion and looking for answers every day, then all how confident we can be that the Lord is ready to speak to us. In the written Word, it's all about Jesus. Isaiah wrote chapter 55 with a future promise in mind. And that future is Jesus, who is the living word. He's the hope of the world today. It's the message to Joseph and to you and to me today. Even this Christmas season, sometimes it can bring a sense of discouragement and depression. The word of God tells us, though, about the coming of the Christ child as proof for Joseph and for us that God intervenes and he offers us hope and he offers us peace for living today. He offers us answers in ways that we would never have thought of had we not come to him and had we not come to his word. For God so loved the world, the Bible tells us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that even the most dire of situations, we might not perish. We might not fall out. We might have hope of everlasting life. Hope for the future, peace for today 
Confidence is found in the word of God and the love of Jesus. What else would Joseph tell us? If you want to make good decisions, not just good, but the best of those that are godly decisions, careful obedience. Careful obedience to what the Lord would have us to do. Wouldn't it be great if it was just that easy? I mean, God tells you, you just do it. Get a word from the Lord, just go forward and follow his commands. There's one thing that is emphasized about Joseph, and the story is the fact that he was careful to do just as the Lord's messenger had said. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what? Well, he didn't waste time. Sounded like he may have woke up in the middle of the night and eloped with Mary. Now, we're not told exactly about the timing of all that took place, but he was careful to do all that the Lord had told him to do and to not make and to do it with haste. We often come to God's Word and sometimes we might get bogged down with something and maybe there's something we don't understand from the Old Testament. Maybe something in the Revelation has us a little bewildered or we're reading things and we're wondering how we could obey this. But I gotta tell you, as I read God's Word, it's not the things that I don't understand. There's enough that I do understand to keep me busy, to keep me being obedient and to be able to follow in Him as I should. We become more careful in our obedience though when we know that we can trust him and we can place our faith in him. In fact, that's evidence. How do you show that you love God? How do you show that you're faithful? You become careful in your obedience. Now understand the satisfaction and confidence that comes from walking daily in his word, spending time in quiet times with him, being careful to be obedient. Then whatever situation you find yourself in, then you know that no one else is responsible, that it's not that you've gotten no so far away from the Lord that you found yourself in a place that you shouldn't be, but then you're confident that even if it's a difficult thing that you're going through, even if it's a consequence of a sin or mistake that you've made, though you have confessed to the Lord, you know that God has allowed you to be there and that you're there as His ambassador. What confidence is there as we seek to be careful in being obedient, making God a decision? Maybe you need to ask, do you trust God to be faithful? Are you ready to follow God today in the future? You cannot pick and choose those things, though, that you're going to be faithful in and say, I'm going to be faithful in this part of what God tells me, but not necessarily this part, and continue to be able to hear a word from the Lord and continue to be able to know direction that the Lord would have you to go. I, I say this from time to time. I know I said it to our Wednesday night crew this past Wednesday night. You know, when you... Walking with the Lord is, is not about a checklist. It's about relationships. But every now and then I like a checklist. So I've got one for you here today in the notes. Here, here's to consider obedience in these five areas. One, in personal devotion. In other words, we want to be obedient. Every day we're coming, we're having quiet time with our Lord. We're reading His Word, asking Him to speak to us. We're giving praise and thanksgiving, making our petitions before God. We're confessing our sins. We want to be careful in personal devotion and also in home and family. You want to take care of your family. You want to love on them. You want to be sure that regardless of your family situation, that you're being the light in your family. You want to, in your work, in your school, you want to, following careful obedience. You want to be sure that you're a person of integrity in all that you do, that people can see a difference, particularly in the fact that you want to do a good job as if you're working for the Lord and not for man. And then you want to be the salt and the light wherever you are, wherever God has you, and be sure that you're following God's plan and God's purpose for these very things. But also in the church. You know, the Scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
Listen, it's just us here. Can we talk for just a moment? We're two or three getting three years, you know, since COVID hit and those kinds of things. A lot of folks got out of habit of assembling together. We've even, we've even uh, uh, have a different definition of what it means to be active in the church. But perhaps we need to think about being obedient in assembling ourselves together as the Lord would have us to do, that sometimes it becomes a little bit more of a priority in our week, not a priority in your month. Can you see the difference in that? That we want to come together as God's people. But not only as we talk about church, we know that it's about not just about coming together, but about serving together. And we want to find our place in church so that we're serving in and through the church. And then we recognize that we're still the church when we leave this building, we leave this campus. We continue to be that. And then also in your possessions and your giving, now we've gone to really meddling. Well, how you view your possessions will be... Is evidence of how you view your relationship with Jesus and your faith and your love for Him because all of it belongs to the Lord. We know that, uh, and then our giving is an outflow of that very thing. We don't give to the church simply because the church needs it. We give to the church because we want to get it on God's plan. Joseph could have said no and Jesus could have still been born. But he wanted to get it on God's plan. So on these things we want to be obedient. Now, consider Joseph was already, I believe, just and righteous man. It talked about that he was close to the Lord so that he could be close enough to hear from the Lord. You want to consider yourselves in, to be obedient in these areas so that you're close enough so that when God speaks, you can hear him. I've got something to tell you this Christmas. I've got a message for you this Christmas. Jesus says, well, are we going to be close enough? that we might be able to hear him. Careful obedience in these areas will lead to godly decisions. Do you need to commit to following God more closely in one of these areas or one or more? Maybe that's the message today. Well, here's a checklist. Brother Jeff loves checklists. Maybe there's an area, though. This is, this is the place. This is where I need to be more obedient so that I can be closer to the Lord, hear from the Lord, be a part of what he's doing. But by not keeping these in check or striving to please Jesus, Confidence in making the right decisions become very difficult. But before making your decisions or the most important decisions, you recognize that you need to call Jesus your Savior. Call Jesus your Savior. The Royals, Prince William and Kate Middleton attended an NBA game this past week. Apparently that must be a big deal by those who follow such things. It was the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat. And a reporter actually asked one of the star NBA players after the game and asked, well, uh, what they thought of the royal family attending the game. That NBA player answered by saying, oh, were Mary, Joseph, and Jesus attending the game? And they, they were silent, much like you. First service actually laughed because they said that. And uh, so the reporter just stood there in silence and said, only royal family I know is Mary, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And though this is not just the story of Joseph and Mary, it is the story of Jesus. Notice these three in Matthew chapter 1, that there's three Christmas names for the Son of God. It's not the only names of Jesus, of course, but these are used in Matthew 1. They're significant. When a baby was born, it was the dad's job usually to name of the baby, although the same instructions were also given to Mary by the angel. Verse 21 says, You will give birth to a son, and you are to call him the name Jesus. 
Why Jesus? Well, we're told in that very first because he'll save his people from their sins. The name means Savior. It is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord is my salvation. There'll be a lot of Hebrew boys named Joshua and a lot of them even named Jesus, but only one would be called Jesus the Christ. Found in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, Christ means the anointed one. There's one who's come to take away the sins of the world. Did you catch the third name for the Son of God in Matthew one, probably you know that, or you've seen it, or you've seen it before. Emmanuel. And just so there's no misunderstanding in verse 23 uh, about who Jesus is, Matthew writes out the definition of Emmanuel. He is God with us. And says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You are aware that this is one of those essentials, I guess, of the Christian faith. And what we believe about Jesus, that Jesus was, his name is Jesus. He is virgin born, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss the significance of the very last verse in Matthew chapter 1. It says she's given birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, what's so significant about the name Jesus? Maybe, maybe this will help us. Let's suppose that I will write you a check for $1 million and assign my name to it. The only significance about that check would be our embarrassment if you ever tried to take that to the bank. Let's suppose Donald Trump wrote you a check, your name on it, signed his name on it, and you took it to the bank. Well, maybe that's not a good example. Suppose an SEC coach. No, I got a better one. Suppose a former Auburn football coach wrote you a check for $1 million and signed his name. What's the difference? It's all about the name. It is all about the name, and there's only one who can bring salvation. It is the reason that the virgin birth is so significant, because there's only one who can give salvation. The fact that Jesus was not just the Savior of the world became important because Jesus was Joseph's Savior. That's the reason it brought him from discouragement and despair, and now he has hope and encouragement. When he woke from his sleep, all the circumstances were still the same. Mary was still his fiancée who had a child that was not his, but now he sees it from a different perspective. When you leave this place, whatever your situation was, when you walked into the door, it will probably be the same when you walk out the door. But if Jesus has a message for you, and I believe that he does, everything will be different. You'll find encouragement in the message that the Lord wants to share with you today. Mary was still pregnant, if not his, he'd still be ridiculed. Life would not be easy for taking her as wife. But now the difference was that heaven came down and visited him, and he had a word from the Lord. If you get the message from the Lord today, you'll begin to look at things differently. The Lord this morning, during this holiday Christmas season, when problems seem to be magnified, it will help you to be able to see things through the eyes of Jesus because Jesus is not just the Savior of the world. He's your Savior and He's mine. Or, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He can be your Savior today, this very hour. And you can ask Christ to forgive you for sins and ask Jesus to come in and be the Savior of the Lord. What a great time to be able to turn your heart and life over to Jesus during this Christmas season. Speaking of engagements and not knowing exactly what to do, I remembered when it came time for me to ask my wife Kelly to ask her hand in marriage, I wasn't sure how to do it. I tell you, I wish 
I was sure that I was going to have to be the one to do it, and nobody else was. So I considered several things, I guess. I thought of what I thought were many cool or significant and maybe even ingenious or maybe even thought it was romantic. I probably didn't do any of those. So I finally came up with a way in which this was going to be done. And so I didn't realize she'd be right here on the front row, but try not to stare at her during this part. <laughs> so I said, well, let's go to the beach for the day, which was not insignificant for us. I mean, we would do these kinds of things. That was kind of typical we, on a Saturday. So let's drive down to the beach for the day. Okay, we did. Uh, went to what I thought was a nice restaurant in that day. Went to eat and... Uh, Let's go for a moonlight stroll before we head back and I drop you off at your house and we get ready for church the next day. So, uh, so we're having that moonlight stroll and as we did, I, I said, you know, boy, it's been a really good day. I said, you know, if we were ready, I think I know how I'd do it. I think I'd know how I'd ask you. She said, yeah, how? I got down on one knee and I said, some really romantic, but I'm sure goofy type things. And I said, uh, I said, ask you, and I said, I'd ask you like this, you know, would, would, you, would you marry me? And, I reach, and I'd reach in my pocket, and I really think I fooled her because then I pulled out the ring. And I really think she was just thinking I was just saying how it was going to be and until she saw the ring. I can't remember exactly what she said, but there were some tears, but she gave me a towel to wipe them off. And, uh, <laughs> been 38 years so she must have said yes you know if I think if the Lord really wanted you to know how much he loved you would you know how to know him how it is that you might have an abundant and eternal life how that you might be able to spend eternity with him in heaven I think I know how he'd do it he'd have to do it himself he'd come in the flesh be born of peasants in an obscure village He'd first be born and be laid in a manger and makeshift crib, maybe low enough to where if people really wanted to get good clothes, they'd have to go down on one knee to be able to look at the Savior. And then he would grow 100% God, 100% man, live a perfect life, show us what it was to be able to live for the Lord. And then when the time was right, he would take our punishment, he'd take our place on the cross, and three days later, he would rise again. Yeah, I think if God was going to do it, I think I know exactly how we'd do it. You see, life is quite different when Jesus teaches us how to look at things. Perhaps you're here today and you've never really given your life over to Jesus. Well, the Christ born in Bethlehem, you may think that you've done a lot of living until now, and maybe you think you've seen a lot in your life. But man, you ain't seen nothing yet because you are not really alive until you decide for Jesus. We've talked about making different decisions, big or small, and if you have a decision to make, well, you want to consider God and others first and how your decision affects what God would like, how your decision affects others. We've talked about you want to have confidence by going to God's Word, being in it consistently. We've talked about how you want to follow God in careful obedience in the things that do not really require a decision except to decide that you want to do what you know pleases God because He's faithful. These are good biblical guidelines and maybe you're facing some important decision today or in the near future. Let these guide you. But they do not mean a thing unless you call Jesus your Savior. It is the most important decision. It is the message to Joseph why Jesus has come. 
So because we've come to this place in the story of the Christmas story, because the significance of Jesus' name, we ask all those who are here today, anyone here, someone listening today online, do you know Jesus as your Savior? There's no way you can make good, right decisions without Jesus being your Savior. And all those who know Christ as our Savior and Lord, it is the one thing, it is the priority. In fact, it's not the priority. It is the only thing in which you need to make decisions based all of those on. Because Jesus is your Savior. So it's decision time. This Christmas can only be complete if you decide for Jesus in the most important decision and in every decision of your life. God said, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, God says, higher than your ways. It must be time. We're going to have to rely on him. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We recognize the greatest gift ever given in the Christ child. We thank you and that you have wanted to reveal yourself to us, that you have bridged the gap through Jesus born in Bethlehem and Jesus on the cross so that we might be able to know the ways of God and the thoughts of God. Still beyond our comprehension. But we thank you for allowing us to be able to get a glimpse and to be able to know more and more every day. Father, help us to lean on you. Help us to learn to walk with you even more faithfully. Help us to learn more about you every day. Father, we pray if there's one or more here today, someone listening today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, make today, even during this prayer, during even as we sing in a moment, to just lift up a request of you. Because we know that you hear a request. May that request be, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins and be my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Father, for your watch care over us. Thank you for this season that we can celebrate. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.